And I can see the ground now, I'm way too gone, way too gone. Alright, legends. Welcome back, dude, to yet another episode of Get Around Me. What a time it is to be alive. Feel the hype, spread the hype, <laughs> etc., dude. Okay? Etc. Does this podcast need a new intro? <laughs> Most likely. Okay? Do I have the time? No fucking way, dude. No way do I have the time to craft something as as freaking beautiful and integrated as feel the hype, spread the hype, and then just saying the word, etc. I mean, we're never going to beat that. I'd have to start a new podcast. I'd have to rebrand, okay? But yeah, we're here, and it's exciting because this week I have a new stand-up clip out and about. If you're out on the street and you see it out there, uh, it's on YouTube and local bus stops. So have a bloody look. It's a crowd work clip, and it's pretty exciting. It's all about the job recruiting, okay? At its core, it really is just me hitting on some chick in the in the second row who was maybe the hottest chick I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but I think you'll find that there is layers to it and that it is, in fact, art, okay? Let's not forget that anytime I'm on a stage, it is, in fact, art. And to classify it as otherwise um, is actually offensive to the art form itself and to free speech everywhere and to our American forefathers who fought for this... <laughs> Um, just watch the fucking clip, dude. It's pretty good, hey? Bit of crowd work, all off the top. All off the top. Just thinking in my head and then saying it. It's exciting, you know? Anyone can go out there with a fucking teleprompter, you know? Jimmy Fallon. Oh, what did Kylie Minogue do yesterday? <laughs> you know? So anyway, bit of a crowd work clip. Give it a go. It's on my YouTube. Um, you know... And if you're going to my YouTube, make sure you line up early. Buy your tickets in advance, dude, because I just passed 1,000 YouTube subscribers. Thanking everyone involved, okay? Mostly to my loyal YouTube following. It does feel like a cult at this point. We should just set up a group chat. If you subscribe to my YouTube, I should just set up a group chat and we could just hang out. Because those three or four positive comments each week have continued to push me to post the podcast on YouTube, even though 99% of people just listen to it. But I thought, what the fuck is freaking Kingslayer93 going to think if I, don't, if I don't come back next week, you know? But now look at me. Yeah, so it just goes to show, don't give up, never stop pushing, and take creatine as much as you can. They're my three tips for success, okay? But, you know, the YouTube community, I mean, those, those three positive comments. If you want to really hurt me, leave a negative comment on one of my YouTube videos of the podcast specifically because I only get like maybe four comments a week. So if you're one of them and you're negative, that means 25% of the comments are negative. And you fucking better believe I'm reading that shit, dude, okay? If you get four comments, you better read every single one, savor them. All right, you're not, no one's getting drowned out in the masses, not on my channel, okay? Or at least, at least uh, that's how it used to be before the 1K. Um, has passing 1,000 YouTube subscribers changed my life? <laughs> Obviously. Yes. Yes, it has. 
I just went to Woolies. It looked like fucking David Bowie had come back to life, dude. I was getting mobbed in the fresh food section. Mobbed. All right? I said, guys, back off. I'm just trying to get some capsicums. All right? I wanted that packet where there's the green, the red, and the yellow. I like variety. But yeah, a thousand subscribers. I'm loving it. I think this weekend I'm going to take my YouTube money and just buy 10 rare dogs and just set them loose in a Westfield, you know? Have a have a couple of fucking schmoozle uh, cross cavoodles just going nuts in Maya. Why not? Why the fuck not, dude? I might just drop $35,000 on small animals this weekend and then just let them... I'll let them loose in, in environments they are not native to, okay? I'll fucking... I'll draw. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go down to Curl Curl Beach and release fifty axolotls into the water during nippers. Swim, kids, swim. They've got legs and tails. <laughs> Do you ever just look at a person and just think, James, mate, you are dead set a fucking axolotl with hair. You are offering nothing right now, mate. Nothing. What are you? What are you trying to be? Who are you? You know, you're just making everyone uncomfortable. Dude, I, I know a few blokes where I reckon they definitely had a fucking tail and had it cut off. Just some real rogue characters, you know, where you could just think, how is this guy not fucking either have a tail or like, you know, he should be able to, he should be out there climbing trees or something. Not, not freaking strapped to a desk. This guy's a weirdo. There's a few fucking axolotls out there, dude. I'll tell you what, it's a goddamn mouthful, but if you want to, if you want to give some of the business, call him a fucking axolotl. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. Imagine some guys just being like kind of weird. Because you know when um, someone's not being like a like a overtly a piece of shit to you, but they're just kind of just being a bit weird. Like, and it's just kind of like, they're just, they're not really making the effort in the conversation. They're try, kind of trying to mug you off in front of the group maybe a bit. Just go, Jesus Christ, mate. You're a bit of an axolotl, aren't you? Hey, legs everywhere. You fucking freak. Maybe don't say that last bit, but yeah, if you call someone an axolotl, I think you could really get in their head. I think we could see some results with that for sure. Um, but yeah, so YouTube uh, is you know blowing up, and do you know what? <laughs> do you know what's funny about my YouTube channel is uh, it? Uh, firstly, obviously, it doesn't go well. People people don't enjoy it. That's that's not the funny part, but um. <laughs> The funny part is each month on YouTube, you get like a, here's how your channel did. And <laughs> my channel always does better than the previous month. So I'm always like, I'm always like pumped. <laughs> it's always like, it's like you got 40 subscribers. And I'm my first thought is honestly, last month it was 30. So this is sick. This I'm fucking, you know what I mean? Like I I fail, but upwards. That's how I would describe my YouTube channel, failing upwards. Like, if you look at a graph of my YouTube channel, it is, you know, it's heading more north than south. It's just that the rate at which it is heading north is, um, you know, quite sloth-like. So, so it is difficult. But I'd just like to give a shout out to all, the, all my heavy metal fans on YouTube. Um, I had a one particular video uh, that carried my channel for the best part of a year and a half. I had a podcast clip from maybe episode like 12 or something um, where I was talking about how I think heavy metal is trash and I I don't know how, but it went kind of like 
not viral, but definitely not viral, but like it went way better than any video I've ever had on YouTube. It got like 500 comments, um, like, you know, 5,000 views or something, but it was like every comment was um, heavy metal fans telling me to kill myself in various ways. And <laughs> I got to say, dude, one death threat, that'll get you. 500 is honestly a party. You get 500 death threats, you may as well freaking invite everyone over and, and say, let's just, you know what? We're all here. We're all on the same page. We all fucking hate Billy Darcy. Let's have a fucking, let's have a crack. Let's party. You know, 500 death threats. That's a borderline rally at that point. These guys could have, could have freaking booked out the, the area outside town hall and, and done a goddamn rally. Um, but you know, and I think there was like about, I want to say like 1000 thumbs down and like two thumbs up. So quite poor, quite poor. I eventually um, deleted the video about two months ago because it just got to the point where I was like, just not, it wasn't funny to me anymore. <laughs> like I, I remember um, I was going to delete it and then I thought, no, oh, this is great. This is, you know, all publicity is good publicity. I'm fucking killing it. And then I was like already having a bad day one day and sometimes you get the notification of the comments. And it was just some guy being like, you should fucking jump off a cliff, you low-breed cunt. And like, obviously, you don't take it seriously because his freaking, his profile picture was a tire. And, you know, I'm not like, it doesn't really bother me, but it's just like, ugh. You know what I mean? It's just like, ugh. So it's just like, deleted that. Also, I think it's bad for your, someone told me it's bad for your YouTube channel if like, um, m like 95% of the feedback you receive on your video is negative. <laughs> like it doesn't, it doesn't want to send your videos around the, um, you know, around the YouTube world if everyone fucking wants to kill you. So, you know, to my heavy metal fans, I appreciate you. And, uh, you know, hopefully when your mum makes that toasted sandwich tonight, she remembers to cut the crust off because you've been telling her for 25 fucking years and she should remember by now. Okay. So, uh, don't forget to condition those long locks, you 45 year old nerds. So anyway, it's all good in the hood. I've passed a thousand subscribers and I'm having a goddamn time. So put that on your toast, you heavy metal cunts, hey? Hey? <laughs> anyway. So here's one for you. Um, I hate to go from a negative to a negative from the heavy metal into um, another, another negative, but I just need to briefly talk about Pat Doherty, snake and enemy of this podcast. Now, for any of our newer listeners, you might not know who Pat is, um, though he may have tried to sh uh, to sell you a timeshare on the Gold Coast. Uh, he is a snake dipped in oil, this man. He is allegedly a comedian, and make no mistake, he is not to be trusted, okay? He is a slippery customer, dude, a very slippery customer. I saw him last week trying to sell a, a seven-year-old orphan to an even older orphan, you know, he was like, you guys can be your own family. Like what a fucking, you know what I mean? They're, they're the sort of pipe dreams he sells. Selling orphans to other orphans. You know, you can't just tape four orphans together and pretend they're a parent, Pat. Okay. You can't do that. So Pat, Pat is a troublemaker and Pat has a uh, quite a, quite a nifty little Instagram. He does a poll every week. He does these fun polls. A lot of celebrities, um, in lieu of real comedy, will do things like this to engage with their fans. So it's quite exciting. And, and Pat's had some cranking polls. But this week, I submitted an idea. And it was for 
Yeah, every poll is like Australia's favorite celebrity, Australia's favorite radio personality. And he doesn't, you know, the polls are poorly constructed because, you know, in the World Cup, how every group has like two good teams, two bad teams, not in a Pat Doherty poll. Like it, it goes through, you, you have to vote one-on-one. So it'll be like jam sandwich versus Vegemite sandwich. Then they, whoever wins that goes on to round two, etc. But Pat does not understand the seating system. He had Australia's favorite radio host and he, he round one, Hamish or Andy. That was the round one qualifier, Hamish versus Andy, as if they're not the, the number one and two seeds. You've got to be fucking kidding, dude. So then I sent him this sandwich poll. And I think, you know, great idea. And it's all, it's all good times. And these are the flavors he put together. Now, we all love sandwiches. I'm talking ham. I'm talking BLT. I'm talking chicken and mayo. I'm talking Vegemite. I'm talking peanut butter. Okay. I'm talking flavor between two flavorless pieces of carb, dude. Okay. I'm talking freaking lunchtime, 2003 onwards. I'm talking Blue Water High still on TV. And freaking mum's brought in a ham sambo. And Heath is in the goddamn regional finals. All right. We fucking love sandwiches. And Pat has put this up. This is round two. Okay. I missed round one. I was probably doing drugs or freaking having sex or doing something freaking cool, you know? So I missed round one. Uh, but these are the sandwiches in round two. We have spag bowl versus cheese and pickle. Okay. Cheese and pickle. Is this the fucking Great Depression or what the hell is going on here? Cheese and... Is this is this thing goddamn on? I tell you what. Cheese and pickle. My God. The next one. Corn beef or egg? That's or in the middle. So corn beef or egg. I think Pat Doherty might be an alien who's never had a sandwich before and he was dropped onto planet Earth. I think I found a glitch in his fucking wiring, this bloke. I don't think this piece of shit has ever had a sandwich in his goddamn life. I think he grew up rich. I think he was having sweet and sour pork prepared by their family chef every day at primary school, you know? This, this bloke was probably having fucking laxa in kindy. I mean, what the fuck are these sandwiches? And then chip sandwich was in round two. Now, chip sandwich, that's a sandwich we can all enjoy, but it's a novelty sandwich, okay? Chip sandwich is something your dad has uh, when it's like 3 p.m. on a Sunday, and mum says dinner's at six, and he's like, three fucking hours, Jesus Christ, I'm having a chip sambo. Just to tide him over, you know? Just to tide the great man over. But I tell you what, cheese and pickle. I think Pat Doherty is an alien. Um, It would explain why he has no empathy for any other humans, i.e. some of the tactics he pulls over people. And, I mean, I think he's given away the fact that the man has never had a sandwich in his life. He's not a real person. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about this podcast. And uh, if you see him on the street, you should physically assault him, okay? And I can't be clear about that. (laughs) All right, don't physically assault him. But I tell you what, at least fucking throw a rock at him. You know what I mean? Just sort of, not a big one, just something, you know, just like a, kind of like about a size of a 20 cent piece. Maybe just throw coins at him. Not his head, but just in his ribs. Just like, you know, just fucking throw a couple of 50 cent pieces at Pat Doherty's ribs. Why not? Why not? Put that stupid cunt back in his box, hey? 
God damn it. Cheese and pickle. Cheese and pickle. My lord. But dude. All right, let's crack into this goddamn podcast. Um, all right. So. Wednesday night. I went out into the, the city. The city. And uh, <laughs> so let's never say that again. But uh, I had two gigs. First gig I go to, it's in it's in the bloody King's Cross. I don't know why everything's in King's Cross now. And I get there. How's this? Last weekend in Sydney, fucking Sasha Baron Cohen's in town. He lives here now. He was going up at the comedy store as Ali G. Can you believe that? Apparently he went up last week to try out some material. Unbelievable. My mate was on the lineup with him. He's telling me all about it. I go, how, how was your weekend? You do any gigs? He goes, yeah, I was kicking with Ali G all weekend. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? Turns out there's a new Ali G TV show going on. Ali G, Ali G. Am I saying that right? And uh, dude, yeah, he's like working out some material or something. But how's this? Apparently, Rove McManus is helping him write it. A Rove McManus Ali G crossover. Dude, if this was 2003, people would dead set be fucking blasting off in their pants all over the world. At least in Australia. You know what I mean? Ali G and Rove. If you if you said to any 11-year-old boy in fucking 2007, how'd you like an Ali G and Rove crossover? They'd be crying with joy. They were the kings back then. They were the kings of the mid-2000s in Australia. That was back when people loved Rove and Ali G. People still love Ali G, but I think Rove's got a bit of work to do. People love Rove. People love Rove. But he's not around as much anymore, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, I've met Rove before, and he is tiny, okay? Absolutely tiny. Honestly, if the bloke's out of work, he should just head to Randwick and jump jump on a fucking horse without a jockey, you know? Comedy into being a jockey, and then back into comedy. Do a show about being a jockey. Now, that's a career. That's a fucking career. But anyway. but So, I did this gig on Wednesday. And this is comedy in the modern era. This is an example of it. So, I did this gig and, you know, I received... What would you say? Uh, a mediocre reception. I did well, but like, whatever. Okay? The jokes went well. Okay? Next, then, I freaking hightailed it over to Newtown. Now... Newtown, they don't even have, if you're not familiar with Newtown, if you're not from Sydney, uh, Newtown is like the progressive hub. It's like the fucking, you know, whatever the the version, it's the hipster capital of Sydney, okay? I'm pretty sure they don't even have the walking man on the traffic lights because it's sexist or, or whatever. They just have a fucking, they just have a red circle or a green circle and, uh, and, and they can mean whatever they, they mean to you. Okay, you get a fucking red circle at the lights in Newtown, you can just walk out into traffic, dude, if to you it's green, okay? And if someone hits you with their car and you identify as a green circle, they have to pay you, okay? That's Newtown. So I go to Newtown and uh, I'm doing the same jokes. Nothing too weird, okay? But I got some jokes about the gym and sort of wanting to um, sort of have sex with one of the personal trainers there. Seems quite crude on paper. Quite crude, but you know, it's art. Finagle it. And then I had another thing about um, Rita Ora. And these jokes went well at the first gig. But then, dude, you come into Newtown 
and it is just it's just specific lines like they still love comedy like they're still great crowds um but there's just specific things yeah so there's like super friendly crowd but they just like they love comedy but they just like love it the way they like it like as soon as like as soon as i mentioned a woman in any context we're going off the cliff and it's so funny like jokes that got like huge laughs at the first gig just got complete silence at the second and i'm not saying like um i'm not saying oh the joke just didn't quite hit i'm saying like uh completely bombed and like uncomfortable silence like they dislike me <laughs> like it's it's actually like it it doesn't even like piss me off it's just kind of interesting it's honestly just fucking interesting and you got to try and work a work it out as you go i tried to sort of uh change some of my language because I'm always saying like babe and chick and stuff and people just think I'm, you know, really progressive people don't really like that. So, um, but progressive crowds do. This whole woke, uh, you know, the woke blokes out there, the guys with the fucking, you know, the green hair and the and the list of problems, they're real. Okay. This is not something you hear, um, you know, people carry on about, you know, the, the uh, progressive woke culture. It's a real thing. And uh, it is very interesting for comedy because, yeah, like I said, a joke can do so well in one room and then just completely bomb in the next and vice versa. And I think that's why you see a lot of these like, you know, there's some comedians that only work in the in the woke rooms, the alt rooms, you know, and they just go like, and then they'll go to like a non, like kind of like a room where sort of, you know, like a normal crowd where like maybe 10% of them are racist and they won't do as well, you know. So it is interesting. There's a lot to think about there for sure. But it was so funny because I did the jokes like maybe 20 minutes apart and just the completely different responses, even though I delivered the exact same jokes. It was honestly, it's fucking, makes it fun to be honest. It's really interesting. It's one of the fun things about comedy that everyone's so different. But yeah, really cool. But dude, Saturday night. All right. So yeah, Wednesday, interesting comedy story there, I hope. Uh, Saturday night, dude. Now, as we know, I'm still doing dry June, allegedly. I had a few slip ups last week. Uh, obviously Sunday, I blew it out. Tuesday, I had a couple of beers at a gig because I had to host and I had so much head noise from the narcotics of the previous weekend that I was like, I just need a beer to calm down here. And then, and then I had two beers on Saturday night, but here's my story. Okay. And firstly, so I've slipped up three times in the month of sobriety, but do you know what? When you tell people that, they're like, oh, mate, what the hell? I thought you were doing dry June. It's like, I've still drunk about 400% less than I would have in a normal month. Still a huge win. You know, people have been telling me it doesn't count. They're like, oh, mate, your dry month doesn't count. I go, count for what? Who gives a shit? There's no scoreboard. I go, this is still like the healthiest month I've had all year by a mile. It's a fucking win, you know? Don't get caught up if you're like, you know, if you're trying to like stay off something and then you have like, you have like one beer at a house party. Oh no, it's all ruined. Who gives a fuck? Do it the next day. Get back on it, you know? So there's been a couple of slip ups, but it's still been a great month, you know? Great month. But I went to a house party on Saturday night, stone cold, brother. And I went there after my gig. So I got there at like 11 and house party, 11 PM, everyone's hammered. And how's this? All my friends were on the dance floor and like nowhere else. You know, I'm sober. I brought a joint just to sort of, you know, I don't know, do something. And 
all my mates are going nuts on the dance floor and I don't know anyone else at the party. So I'm just like, oh, for fuck's sake. So now I'm dancing. I'm on the dance floor sober. And, you know, I've been pretty candid about the fact that uh, not only can I not dance, I'm, you know, I've got to be hammered to enjoy my dancing. And and now I'm, and there was like some pretty, I don't want to speak out of school, attractive women on the dance floor. And dude, I tell you what, I'm dancing sober in this like, I don't know what it was, like a back room or whatever. Tough sledding team, tough sledding. God, it is so hard. I'm not like uh, one of those dance like no one's watching people. To me, everyone's watching. <laughs> to me, everyone is watching. And yeah, it's weird. So I, then I thought, all right, I'll 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 have a couple of beers. So I had two beers. They didn't really subside my anxiety enough, RA dancing. So then I smoked this joint by myself. I was my mate Joe, actually. And, uh, and you know, let's talk about the word mistake. <laughs> It was a huge mistake. If I was self-conscious before, now I was having a goddamn panic attack out there. Back on the dance floor, sober and stoned. And uh, yeah, tough sledding indeed, dude. And it was like uh, the girls were on the ox. So it's like promiscuous girl and like whap and stuff like this. And it's like, so I'm trying to dance to like promiscuous girl, sober and high. Oof. <laughs> Oof. It was tough sledding. Absolutely tough sledding. And I'm ashamed to admit it, but I did in fact smoke bomb this party. I said I gotta take a phone call and then I just left. And I apologize, it was a fantastic party. I did have a lot of fun. But it was like 2 a.m. and uh I couldn't dance anymore. I had nothing left in me. So yeah. But it was just one of those things. I go, I go to this house party, I go. Don't worry about not drinking, Bill. You just stand around, have a chat with everyone. You know, I like, love all the people there. So I was like, oh, this is great. Purely dance floor. It was like a freaking living nightmare. It was unbelievable. So I, th- I was, <laughs> oh my God. And then, oh my God. And then like, yeah, fucking WAP comes on. I mean, I can't even dance to WAP drunk. I mean, come on, come on. All, all I can do is my best. I've only got two hands and a smile. And, you know, my name's Billy, and I've got beautiful Irish skin, and I'm trying my best, okay? I'm stone cold sober, I'm trying to lay off the drink for health reasons, and uh, I'm trying my goddamn best, okay? So, can we at least put on some fucking Nickelback for us straight whites, hey? Hey? Maybe if they played Someday by Nickelback, I might have unleashed the fucking dance queen within. I don't know. Dude, as soon as I start playing WAP when I'm sober, my, my hips just shut down, dude. I get scoliosis immediately. I get fucking crippling arthritis in my hips. <laughs> well, these white chicks are fucking... <laughs> I don't even know what you would call it. They're kind of like rolling around on the ground. I'm not sure. I don't have all the answers. But it was a horrifying experience, this house party. And while it was a lot of fun, I, um, I hope to never go sober to a house party again. Unless there is a designated area purely for bands. Okay, I need to talk to people in this in, in this situation. All right, so as we recall from a previous episode, Stuart McGill, Australian wrist spinning legend, icon, kidnappee, uh, he has gone to the media to give a tell-all interview about his kidnapping. 
Okay. Now, I covered his kidnapping at length in a previous episode, previously on Get Around Me. And, you know, the thing with Stuart McGill's kidnapping is that, you know, it was, there's drug dealers involved, there's a Greek restaurant. Uh, one of the people involved, their last name is Somethingopolis, which I always find to be quite suspect. And there's a lot going on in this story. But but Stuart McGill has, has given his story. And keep in mind, next time you see someone on a current affair who you think, oh, that's a shame. Why would they go on a current affair? You know, Stuart McGill is an Australian cricket legend. He doesn't need to talk to fucking Tracy Grimshaw of all people. You got to keep in mind, the great man probably received about $50,000 for going on a current affair. Maybe less, maybe more. Do you know what I mean? I tell you what, it's a hell of a lot more money than he was paid for that kidnapping. Okay? So, you know, Stewie McGill, their, their restaurant has had to close down due to the, uh, you know, obviously, it's sort of between, you know, if you read between the lines, it's kind of the, the vibe I got was that there was kind of a bit of a drug front going on at this Greek restaurant. And, uh, you know, that's completely alleged and made up for me. But I tell you what, you tell me a Greek restaurant that's not doing some sort of deal out the back door, and uh, and I'll, I'll I'll show you a Greek restaurant that has bad food. Okay, the better the food of the Greek restaurant, the more likely they are involved in criminal activities. And from what I've heard, McGill's restaurant, the food was delicious. So you you connect the dots, you fill in the paper, and you mail in that vote. But Stuart McGill went on a current affair, took the cash, good on him. You know, I'd do it too. I got to say, guys, I watched this Stuart McGill, A Current Affair interview, and I thought, forget the podcast for this week. I thought, the podcast is going to write itself. Um, This is going to be maybe the funniest fucking 11 minutes I've ever seen, ever, and I'm going to talk about it for about 45 minutes on the podcast. So, unfortunately, that's not quite the case. It was a lot more grim than I was hoping. He cried immediately, and he continued to cry, and... He didn't cry for most of the rest of the interview, but he cried at the start and they didn't show any of his cricket highlights until like the eighth minute. Make no mistake, if you're featuring Stuart McGill in any capacity on your television program, you better fucking open up with him just bowling some bloke around his legs on day five. You know? You better you better open up that shot with him ragging one out of the rough aggressively. So, yeah. He said on the interview that he's only doing it to assist with the investigation. And, you know, last time I checked, Tracy Grimshaw wasn't a fucking lead detective. So she has nothing to do with the investigation. And we know you've taken the cash, Stu, and we're totally fine with it. Okay, so we don't need any of that sort of sort of hoopla at the front gate. Um, you know, if you want to tell your friends that you went on a current affair to help the police, as if Channel 9 and the police are in some sort of a league together, <laughs> as if Peter Overton was the first on the scene or something. <laughs> um, and, you know, so that's okay. We know you took the cash and that's completely fine. And so the whole thing is that Stuart McGill introduced this drug dealer to uh, someone at the restaurant, the his, his ex-wife or whatever. And then from there, a drug deal went south and they tried to get the money from Stuart McGill, who was pleading innocence to all of this. He said he had no idea he was a drug dealer, etc. Now, I know a few drug dealers. And one of the first, first things they'll tell you is, hey, I can get you drugs. 
So I find it very hard to believe that this guy's, you know, slinging kilos of cocaine and Stewie McGill, a friend of his, doesn't know about it. So, you know, that's my opinion. And I'm, you know, within my rights to give it. But at the same time, I have no idea what happened. But yeah, uh, you know, a quiet drug dealer, that's also, that's an unsuccessful drug dealer. Okay. Let's not forget that most of the job is self-promotion and networking. Okay. So, did I remember one time we had a guy drop off weed here and he like freaking, he came in and did like a home visit. He was like, boys, I just, he, he said, he usually put it in the letterbox and he said, boys, this stuff's so good. I wanted to come in and give it to you myself. And then he like told us all about it. He was, it was like a fucking, it was like he was selling us the Ab King Pro on the Today Show or something. It was fucking bizarre. But that is the gig. If you want to be a drug dealer, dude, it's all about those personal connections. So I don't believe that Stuart McGill had no idea he was a drug dealer. Um, but yeah, there was a moment in the interview where the guy goes, are you being completely truthful about your account of things? And Stuart McGill paused and said, I'm disappointed you'd ask that question. And the journalist, I'm going to say journalist in inverted commas, because he's, I don't think anyone who's ever even fucking shaken Tracy Grimshaw's hand can be classified as a journalist. But, but the, the journalist said, well, I have to ask the question as part of my job. And Stuart McGill said, well, here's my answer. I'm disappointed you would ask it. Which just feels a little bit loophole doesn't it? Doesn't that just feel a little bit like the time Chris D'Elia said uh, all of his relationships were legal and consensual? I don't know, dude. That sounds like you fucked a 16-year-old in some state where that's technically okay. I don't know. Again, I don't have any facts. But yeah, so the Stuart McGill interview, unfortunately, is sort of more sad and grim than anything else. Uh, and they really beat the shit out of him as well, which I, you know, probably underestimated before. So I do feel a bit sorry for Stu. And uh, and yeah, but you know, the saga has sort of ended, I suppose, unless they kidnap him again, which would be, I mean, fucking outrageous, truly. But yeah, Stuart McGill, a tell-all, where he told pretty much nothing. Stuart McGill should be a goddamn politician the way he spoke around these questions. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. At no point did he say the word cocaine, even though that's what this whole thing was about. He never mentioned it. I don't know, I'm just bloody trying to get a coffee. All of a sudden, I'm in the back of a fucking Jeep going, what the hell's going on? I think you knew a little bit what was going on, Stu, but if you don't want to tell us, then that's okay. But... We'll keep on, uh, keep on trucker-ruin here. So, we got some trends to finish us off here. What a journey, etc. So, here's one for you. Trend, amend, or whatever. I, w- I want to amend this trend. Working from home, okay? We do it. We enjoy it. You know, it's pretty good. But it's also unfair, I think tradies should be able to work from home as well, dude. Why not? You know? Why not? They're all yeah, they're all building a house. Just everyone build a different part, bring it in on Thursday. You know? Why can't a tradie fucking why can't a chippy knock up a knock up a cornice while watching a bit of Ozark in the comfort of his own living room, you know? Dude, build they're building a staircase, build it at home, bring it in. You know? Everyone's got a home office home, little laptop. Set up a little home workshop, build a bedroom, bring it in next week. We'll put it together. You know? How good's that? 
Next time someone's got a sniffle on the job site, just take your work home with you. You know, take that fucking, take the windows, put them in your car and drive home, finish them off at home, rest up, you know. You don't want to get anyone else on the job site sick. Why not? Why the fuck not, dude? Plumbers, get your pipes, get all the pipes connected and then just bring them in ready to go and then you just got to turn it on and that's it. It's unfair that tradies are unable to work from home. Now, a lot of tradies do get the whole day off when it rains. So that's pretty good. But I think they have to take that out of their leave. I'm talking about working from home, okay? Where, you know, you don't lose any of your leave and, uh, you know, you sort of potter around and do a little bit without doing too much. That's working from home. And it's ridiculous that our blue-collar brothers are not able to enjoy this. All right? You know, I don't know what I don't know what happens. I've been on a job site twice and I was asked to leave both times. But but yeah, I think tradies should be able to work from home too. I think it's a great injustice. And you know, just because you're building a fucking high rise apartment, why can't you build that thirty seventh floor in the comfort of your own home? Can anyone answer me that question? Honestly, if anyone can come up with one good reason why you can't build a three story house from the comfort of your own home. You know, everyone take a room, you know, kitchen, bathroom, bedroom, bedroom. If anyone can come up with one good reason why that wouldn't work and then everyone can bring in their finished parts the following week after working a few days from home, recharging, staying safe, staying COVID free. And then on Monday, you just put the house together like it's a fucking Lego. If anyone can give me one good reason why that wouldn't work, send it through, dude. I fucking challenge you. Okay. I challenge you to come up with a reason why that would not work. So tradies should work from home too, dude. And I feel passionately about that. Now, we've got a couple of trend ends here. Now, this is a big one. This is a big one that people are uh, all about right now. Trend end, uh, people who complain about getting ghosted. All right. So people who complain about getting ghosted, it's like, wouldn't you rather just be with someone who actually likes you? You know? <laughs> Wouldn't you rather just be with someone who doesn't hate hanging out with you? You know? What do you want a formal breakup after two dates? You know, it's not always... Sometimes it's, it's more awkward to do that. You know? We don't need a fucking bachelor rose ceremony if, you, if you've got coffee three times. Sometimes, you know, you just... Let it fizzle. What's wrong with a good fizzle, you know? You c- not everyone can be the one. You know, I'm 26. Yep. And uh, I'm 26 and I have not met the one, okay? Totally fine. Which means every girl I've met so far has not been the one, all right? Again, totally fine. It's just maths, all right? Not everyone you meet is going to be fucking Cinderella. Why can't, why can't you just let something feel? You go on a couple of dates, ah... Uh, not for me. Let it fizzle, you know? People will make time if they like you. What's wrong with that, you know? I'm busy as fuck. I still see Macca almost every day, okay? That's because he's a great man who I enjoy making time for, all right? Adzi, I haven't seen that guy in about six weeks, all right? I haven't made the time for him. I don't care for him, okay? I'm busy. I have no time in my schedule for that fucking loser, all right? So, this is the thing, dude. This is the thing. If someone likes you, they'll make time. And if they don't, they won't. And that's okay. All right? That is totally fine. 
you know and i've received uh i've received the old uh like the breakup after like two dates and that's good too okay that's good too when like you get like a formal breakup even though it's like we've been on two dates this feels a bit heavy-handed but the good thing about that is that it's final then you just you're done but you know sometimes if you just let things fizzle you don't get that like jarring oh this you just kind of you're like what happened to caitlin oh she hasn't contacted me in like three weeks uh and then you just sort of keep on trucking. It's kind of like more of a smooth landing, the ghosting. It's more of a smooth, just... Is that how... I don't know why I thought that's what a plane sounded like. But, but dude, ghosting, I'm all about it. I'm all about getting ghosted. I just think, you know, what's the problem? What do you think? Do you think if this guy doesn't ghost you, he's going to marry you? Do you think that's the other, the other option? Or girl? I've never been ghosted by a girl and thought, oh, if she wasn't so busy, we'd get married one day. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, oh, no, if work wasn't so crazy for her, I guess she'd be the one. You know what I mean? It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. So, you know, ghosted up. If you get ghosted, you know, that's the breaks. Just they don't like you. Maybe they like you, but not enough. That's how it is. You know what I mean? And you know what? when someone does like you, they'll be fucking texting you saying, do you want to go see A Quiet Place 3? And you'll be thinking, I haven't even seen the first two, but fuck yeah, let's party. You know what I mean? So, ghosting, dude. Trend extend ghosting. Trend end people who like complain about it endlessly. Oh, he's ghosting me. She's ghosting me. It's like, yeah, she's just not that into you, brother. That's how it is. I don't know what to tell you. And you know what? They don't know what to tell you either. That's why they haven't fucking responded to your last seven messages. Okay? Thanking you. Thanking you. But that is the podcast for this week. I got Adelaide and Brisbane shows announced very soon. And a new stand-up clip coming out every week for the foreseeable future. And there's a crowd work clip on my YouTube and I miss my ex-girlfriend. So let's all have a great week, guys. Thanks for listening. Way too long, way too long. Yeah, and I can see the ground now. I'm way too gone, way too gone. Cause these people got me fucked up. Yeah, they got me way too wrong, way too wrong. Now my mind's telling me, don't you wait too long, wait too long. Oh, I, oh, I, oh.